Opinions expressed during the show are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or ownership of WGCH Radio. Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. Good morning, everyone, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. You know, if you say Westport Country Playhouse to me, I immediately think of a history of fine theatrical productions that have been laced over the years with the skill of actors and directors from Broadway to Hollywood. Created in 1931 by successful theatrical producer Lawrence Langner and his wife Armina, they envisioned a theatrical platform outside of the spotlight of New York City. They wanted to create a company which could experiment with new plays and reinterpretations of the classics. In the winter of 1930, they purchased a red barn in an old apple orchard on the fringes of Westport, Connecticut. Cleon Throckmorton, a Broadway set designer of considerable reputation, was brought in to transform the former cow barn and tannery called the Kemper Leatherworks into a theater. Langner himself was inspired to preserve a rural atmosphere using red and gold bunting that he recalled from his youth reflecting on a Victorian theater. The stage was built to replicate the specifications of Broadway's Times Square Theater on 42nd Street. It was large enough to take any major scale transfer from the Broadway stages. The Langers started a theatrical revolution in Connecticut. On June 29, 1931, the streets of New York opened on stage at the Playhouse with star Dorothy Gish. Here's the ideal comment on that evening. The downpour was torrential, the thunder explosive, and audience enthusiastic when the curtain rose on a bold new adventure in American theater, the Westport Country Playhouse. The boards there had been walked by eminent talents of acting legends such as Kitty Carlisle, Paul Robeson, Olivia de Havilland, Joel Grey, Mickey Rooney, James Earl Jones, Groucho Marx, Michael Learned, and of course, Westport's own beloved Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. The Westport Country Playhouse today is still going strong. On April, April 7th, they will hold their 2018 season kickoff party with a sneak peek of the upcoming season by artistic director Mark Lamus. And on April 12th, one night only, actors Kelly O'Hara and Alec Baldwin will star in Love Letters, the AR Gurney play, which will be celebrated as a fundraiser for the Playhouse. I don't know if the thunder will be as explosive on April 7th as the opening night in 1931, but I am assured that the audience will be more than enthusiastic to support one of the greatest theaters outside of New York City. I have with me this morning Managing Director of the Playhouse, Michael Barker, to give us the rundown on the events coming up that we can all partake of in Westport, Connecticut. Good morning, Michael, and welcome to Center Stage. Good morning, Pamela. Thanks for having me. What a wonderful introduction. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. You know what, Michael? It's affordable. It's intimate. So who needs to go to New York City? I agree. I mean, it, I was just on, I was just down to Broadway the other night, and it is a pain. I mean, you you go there for quality, but we have qual- we have quality in Westport right here, and the parking's free. And you have divine quality. Tell me, what is your favorite feature of the Westport Country Playhouse? You know, I think it's the it's the combination of the old and new. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite 
parts of the building is uh, when you come onto the stage from backstage, uh, when they re- when they redid the building, when they rebuilt it, mm-hmm. they preserved a square on either side of the stage on the entrances of the old stage. And so particularly some of the older actors who have worked with us a lot over time and remember the old barn will simply will enter and breathe in that history mm. uh, and sort of draw strength from that history before they enter onto the new stage and perform. <laughs> um, and I just, I love those little touches all over the place. And it's just, we're always sort of moving into the future, but we're honoring our past. Yes, because now you're all state of the art, thanks to Joanne Woodward, really, who came in and helped um, manage the refurb in 2000, I, I believe. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what Joanne and that rump group did uh, is they, uh, they they took what was a gem that was really going to fall into complete disrepair and not be available to us, you know, for for the future, mm-hmm. and re envisioned it. So at that time, you know, under Executive Director Jim McKenzie, we were part of what was called the Straw Hat Circuit, and really receiving more than producing. Uh, we were produced, mm. uh, you know, at sort of a third of our season, and then the rest of it would come in from other theaters, the Agonquit Playhouse, uh, others in the in the area, some which no longer exist, mm-hmm. and. What Joanne envisioned was not only a state-of-the-art facility for Westport and for the community, was that we would be then producing work for the community, so producing our own plays in mm-hmm. our own space and presenting plays that she thought, that the artistic directors after her thought, uh, resonated with our community. So it was a, a, they left a, a wonderful legacy. Uh, I would say so. You've had many transitions in the Westport uh, Playhouse's history. I mean, you closed during the Second World War. You've had multiple transitions to new artistic directors. But the one I really want to point out is this almost disastrous threat of a shopping center taking over the property in 1985. How could this happen? (laughs) Well, a, a little before my time, but what uh, my understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my understanding is that was uh, completely unacceptable to a large enough group of people that it really, uh, it, it was it was a threat, but it, they were not able to make good on that threat uh, either, you know, uh, morally or practically. But yeah, uh, it's I, it's it's not something that we're in any danger of happening uh, now. We have a wonderful relationship with the town. Thank goodness. And I gather that James McKenzie saved the theater actually by getting 27 ardent theater supporters to purchase yeah. the playhouse and its land, right. you know, ensuring right. its so, future. What a save. <clears throat> well, they created the, the what was then the LLC before we became uh, a nonprofit and mm-hmm. uh that we actually still have two of those folks on our our, our nonprofit board. So, That's fantastic. Uh, that is that, you know, it's, con- it's constant in in many nonprofit theaters, but certainly with a long enough history, it's constant snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Um, <laughs> oh, that's you know, theater. We, we, know how to, we, we, we know dramatic tension. We know how to put on a show. Absolutely, that, well said. Out, I love it. Has that. for eighty eight years. That's wonderful. Now, Michael, let's speak about you for a minute. So you're rather new to the Playhouse. You joined in September of 2016 after leaving the Marin Theater Company in Mill Valley, California. That's right. Just about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Just about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You're you're the baby there. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. As as Mark Lemos, who is substantially my senior, uh, likes to remind me uh, in a a very warm, (laughs) loving way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, uh, you know, I'm originally from Arkansas. Um, really? I went to college. Yeah, I went to college in Minnesota. Um, I majored in theater arts and Japanese because nobody ever told me I needed to get a job. Wait a minute. I did. Wait a minute. Theater arts and Japanese. 
double, double, ma- double special major because neither of those majors actually exist at Carleton College or did, did not at the time. Wow. Uh, That's then, not what I expected uh, yeah. to hear, Michael Barker. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it's been, it, you know, it looks like a straight line when you look back, but it's mm-hmm. been a, a bit of a winding road. I, I did improv in Chicago for five years wow. uh, before deciding that uh, that wasn't my calling. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I mm-hmm. had been working with itinerant groups and doing marketing, and I, I got a, <laughs> uh, an internship with the Goodman, which led to Marvelous. Sort of nonprofit theater management and then went to Yale for grad school. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my MBA and MFA. I uh, got my WIFE. Met my wife there. Um, she's a costume designer of uh, great talent uh, named Heidi Hansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a year ahead of me, so she moved to Los Angeles. I followed her because it was the recession, and I didn't have a job, and I wanted to marry her. Uh, <laughs> I found a job in Los Angeles. Uh, Sounds we eventually moved to the North Bay, and and now here we are. Um, you got around. So, well, it's a little bit inefficient because we could have just stayed in Connecticut, but instead we went to California first and came back. But um, we've we've settled, uh, found a, found a home in a community in Trumbull. We uh, I love my work in Westport. I love the the, the board and certainly working with Mark. Uh, for for someone like me, working with Mark Lamos is mm. uh, a high point. Know, like I'm, well, I'm a professional wingman, and he's uh, mm. an artist of great talent and of great repute, um, all well deserved. So it's uh, it's a dream job. It's joy. It, it really is for you, isn't it? Um, I understand you have an MBA from the Yale School of Management as well, which is really key these days. I mean, it seems to me a necessary cocktail for artists these days is a business acumen, which you obviously have. Yeah. The, you know, and my, my MFA is in theater management, so I, I don't purport to be uh, a practicing artist. I, I'm, I'm married to the artist. She's the one that does the art in our house. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's Absolutely true, and it's it's actually something that I've talked uh, to the faculty at the drama school about. Is uh, you know how many many of these freelance artists come out of grad school mm-hmm. well trained in you know in the in the conservatory style, sure, um, but don't know how to do anything, and mm-hmm. so if they don't end up getting an agent quickly, mm-hmm. um, they can really uh, be in bad place. Yeah, I can um, imagine. So I think it's I think it's very very important, and it's one of those things. It's it's existential for for artists because you have to be able to hustle. That's right. It's part of the work. Yeah, uh, they should have a class in school called "How to Hustle." Really, seriously, <laughs> it's it's they, they do a couple they do a couple of workshops, but I think it's it, it ought to be a it ought to be a, a deeper dive, you know, <laughs> personal finance, all of that stuff. I like it. I like it. So, do you miss acting at all? Let me ask that. Uh, no, and no one misses me acting. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I learned very very quickly when I went to Chicago um, that uh, I was I was funny enough um, to to do improv and to do sketch comedy, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't like to drink enough to do either of those things, <laughs> and uh, and I was not a good enough actor to to get cast. I, I went out for hundreds of auditions in the first right. couple of years I was there. And just simply couldn't get into a play. And eventually I realized, oh, this has something to do with me. This isn't <laughs> that everybody has no taste. Yeah. Um, but the wonderful thing that I found, and, you know, I went, when I went to the Goodman to interview for, for this marketing internship, mm-hmm. they asked me what I wanted to be. And I said an artistic director like Rock Schulfer. Well, Rock Schulfer is the executive director. And that's really what I wanted to do. As I thought ah. this, you know, this back office stuff was actually pretty cool. And the idea that you would, you know, could, could create space for art to be made within you would create the vessel that would create safe space for artists was just it's it remains uh the passion of my life it remains it's so exciting to me that you know that you can that you that you're a professional enabler 
Mm-hmm. You can, that you can make Mark Lemos, Joanna Colitis. You can give these great artists the space in which to create uh, just really wonderful things that transform us all. That's fantastic. But just keep the aspirin close for, you know, those days where <laughs> things just don't go right. You know what I'm talking about, Michael. Um, it's... Well, you know, I, I, have, I have a very particular style in that regard. Um, I've had some artistic partners who like to jump up and down and shout and worry. And I, I just, I, they'll put it on my tombstone, Pam, but I, I, it's, uh, you know, I don't believe there's any such thing as a theater emergency. Oh, there are real emergencies, like if the building's on fire, that's an emergency. <clears throat> if someone gets ill, that's an emergency. Right. Um, but there's, you know, the worst thing that happens in our work, and we don't like it, but the worst thing that happens is that the production wouldn't go on. Uh, and I think having that in perspective gives us the ability to, to create in a better way because we can be, you know, more in community, more in partnership, uh, you know, more in a shared passion rather than, you know, always always operating from that place that, the world, the world is falling down around our ears. Although some artists draw great strength from that, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think my my talent as a manager is to is to is to sit back and have that perspective and understand that this is the most important thing in the world, and nothing will, no one will die if it doesn't happen. This is fantastic, Michael. For everyone listening who's just tuned in, I'm talking to Michael Barkner, Barker, who is the managing director of the Westport Country Playhouse. And now Michael is going to regale us with details of the kickoff party that's scheduled for April 7th. Yeah, I, so we're actually combining what have uh, been in the last several years, two events. We used to do a kickoff party, which was sort of a block party, uh, stuff for kids. Um, you know, there's, there are, are going to be uh, food trucks. Uh, there's going to be we're going to have some some of the uh, costumes in from uh, Flea in Arrear, which is a co-production that we've just done with Delaware Rep. That's going to come in into the second slot of the season. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, the thing that it's combined with is what we used to call our subscriber sneak peek. Now we want everyone to have a sneak peek. We don't want to just confine that to our subscribers, although we love them and love them the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what what will happen is we'll have the the evening of activities outside, generally in the courtyard and lobby. And then we'll invite everyone into the theater uh, where Mark and some, some of the artists from the season talk through the five plays that we've selected for this year uh, to share with our community. It's fantastic. And um, I believe that Kelly O'Hara and Alec Baldwin will be kicking off w- with a major fundraiser on the 12th of April. Yeah. So uh, you, you're aware that uh, A.R. Gurney, Pete Gurney, uh, passed away this this past year, Pete uh, was a Weston resident, as mm-hmm. his wife, uh, who survives, and uh, Molly. And the Playhouse has, uh, among all of its history, we happen to have been uh, the theater that produced the most Gurney in, in A.R. Gurney's life. That's correct. Uh, Mark Lemos, additionally, had a special relationship with Pete and produced more of his world premieres than any other uh, director. Wow. Um Kelly, obviously, is one of the most uh, generous artists in the world, if not in, certainly in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Indeed. Alec Baldwin actually did something like this with uh, Mark at the Met previously. Mm-hmm. So all of those threads came together. Oh, I should also say, 12 years ago, we did a reading of Love Letters with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, among yes. many other artists. So we, all of these Lovely. threads yeah. led us to say the obvious thing to do to celebrate Pete uh, would be to do a reading of Love Letters uh, with Alec and with Kelly O'Hara. Uh, so that's going to be on April 12th. Um, mm-hmm. It is a fundraiser, so the tickets are pretty pricey. But uh, for $350, uh, it includes the performance 
and uh, reception with a toast with the artist next door. And uh, for two fifty, uh, we're it, it, it will be the the wonderful performance. Um, and Mark will will also make some remarks uh, regarding Pete's life and, and our history with him. So it'll, it'll be a, a very special night. And it's one of those things, you know, that you look, you look at the history of this place, and we have so many things that have happened once and then uh, sort of fade into the ether. And it's the it's the joy of theater for an audience is that you know this is happening now. It's never happening again, and we're all sharing in it. So, Michael, how important is this element of intimacy at the Westport Country Playhouse to you? So, you, you know, we we wouldn't be the kind of theater we are if we had more seats. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you asked earlier what, what my favorite aspect of the Playhouse was, or I can't remember quite how you put yeah. it, but um, an, another sort of architectural piece that I love that adds to this intimacy is when the theater was rebuilt, um, Paul Newman insisted that they take the walls of the theater and set them aside and then put them back up when they were rebuilding the house. Oh. And what that does is it just provides, along with the, the bunting that was rehung, it was new bunting, but it was to reflect the, the old bunting. It gives you that sense of, um, of age, of small size, in, mm-hmm. in that it's a, little, it's a little bit narrower than mm-hmm. some houses. Mm-hmm. Um, the proscenium's quite uh, quite wide, but the house itself is quite narrow. Um, and, you know, there, people say this about a lot of houses, there really isn't a bad seat in the house. Uh, actually, I find the front of the mezzanine is sometimes a better place to see the large-scale productions than the orchestra level. Uh, and, it, you know, you're sitting in, as opposed to seeing a film or seeing television, you know, you're sitting in community with 400 of your best friends you know, watching something that at any point could fall apart. Uh, and it's something that we've done for thousands of years. And I pref- I would prefer, um, just as for my aesthetic, I prefer to do it in a, in a, in a space that's not so large that we get lost. Exactly. Not so large that we can feel alone, mm-hmm. um, that, you are, are, that you're required uh, by the space and by the art that we put on that stage mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to be in community. So oh, it's, it's incredibly important. It is very much so. Um, I want to talk about a couple of your other programs. I, I believe you have this marvelous script in hand. Can can yes. you can you explain to our listeners about that program? Yeah, the very popular script in hand. Um, Annie Keith, who uh, is our former co-artistic director with Joanne Woodward mm-hmm. and our current associate artist, uh, has a series of five readings. They happen on Monday nights uh, occasionally, uh, and. A dedicated, I always have to mention this, part of this program is this dedicated audience of about 400 people that will show up pretty much no matter what Annie puts on the stage. And she, uh, and the reason for that is they trust her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's built over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. She, you know, she selects comedies, she reaches back into our history and pulls out plays that no one's done in 30 years. Uh, we just had the other day a reading of uh, a wonderful, relatively new play called The Whipping Man by Matt Lopez. Um, which is um, the Civil War and history, and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it's 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 one of it's a twenty dollars ticket. It's on a Monday night, you know, in Westport. It's we're usually not hopping on Mondays, but there's stuff happening at the Playhouse, and uh, it's it's really it's a it's a it's a unique and special program in that way. And it's but again, it's all about it's all about that intimacy. It's all about that trust, wow. uh, and it's and it's delightful. It's it's you know it's sort of I'm. 
my only disappointment with Script in Hand is that some people consider themselves Script in Hand people rather than Playhouse people. Okay. But we're moving them along. Mm-hmm, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. bumping into them, <laughs> encouraging them to come to see the, the full-scale productions, and uh, as does Annie. So, you know, it's, and- a, it's a very special piece of what we do. That's marvelous, Michael. So I'm kind of curious about the structure of casting there at the Westport Playhouse. Do you only take professionals with equity cards? So we're on a League of Resident Theaters contract, which not to bore your audience, but it's there's essentially the League contract, which is Broadway, and then there's League of Resident Theaters, which is the large regional theaters, Mm -hmm. um, sort of right underneath it. And uh, given our proximity to New York, we have access to the deepest talent pool in the English-speaking world. So, uh, you know, 95% <laughs> of our actors come out of New York. When mm-hmm. we do large-scale productions, like uh, when we did Romeo and Juliet this past season, yes, that was um, quite and certainly successful. when we do Man of La Mancha coming up, which is a lar- uh, larger cast, we will cast uh, sometimes non-professionals in some of the smaller roles. Um, but it's, it's, it's very rare. It's very rare. And, you know, one, one of the reasons is because we hold ourselves and our audience holds us to uh, a level of professionalism, yes. a, a level of quality. Um, but you know, if we if we ha- if we have the ability and we find the right person, we will certainly cast them. And we do ho- uh, hold non-professional auditions every year. So we are looking. That's fantastic. Uh, it's a matter of um, you know wanting, wanting to maintain that quality. You mentioned Man of La Mancha right now. How how about if we have a little listen to Richard Kiley and the original cast singing "To Dream the Impossible Dream"? Wonderful. Impossible dream to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go. Hey, Michael Barker, you know, in a way, I feel that this song is almost a metaphor for the Westport Country Playhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's an impossible... The star. Yeah, and, and yeah. the impossible dream that was really founded by two visionaries and just buoyed along its way all of these years for all of our pleasures. And it's people like you that are keeping it going. I think it's so exciting. And to be able to work with Mark Lamus, what is this like for you, really? I mean, this man is unprecedented in musical, in theater, in opera... Yeah, so I, I knew Mark's name uh, starting in graduate school. He, he directed a, a production at Yale Rep when, when we were there. Um, and it, it was, so, there's so much distance, so much, you know, you, 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 you read about these people and then you see these people's work. And um, so, I, you know, when uh, the, the search consultant who uh, helped the board hire me called me up and said, 
you know, have you ever thought about Westport Country Playhouse? I said, isn't that in the middle of a prairie somewhere? And he said, <laughs> of course, no. Uh, but, you know, you, but Mark Lamos is there, and you really should think about this. And I said, I didn't have to think about this. I actually, <laughs> to, my, to my shame, I didn't go ask my wife. I said, yes, let's talk about that. That sounds really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> oh, my. You know. I think so. And, and, and it turns out he's, He's a total mensch. I mean, he's mm-hmm. really one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. He's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's at a point in his career where he, uh, you know, he, he's choosing to do this. He doesn't need mm-hmm. to run a regional theater. He, he could be, you know, freelancing yeah. or you know, any number of other things. But, but he that's chooses the magic. to do this because, well, having, uh, having an artistic home and a home like the Playhouse uh, with, an, with an audience that supports interesting work, with an audience that... Uh, that recognizes the value of this place in their community. Um, it's just it's it's hard to walk away from that. So it, it's really been a, a wonderful arranged marriage, a great true wow. partnership. One of the first times in my career that I've had a true partnership, Aren't and you uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Especially after you talked about some of the itinerant groups you worked for before. I mean, we all go through <laughs> this as performers. Yeah. Is he a nice guy? Oh, he's a, he's a total swell guy. He's, he's really he's really one of the nicest people. And just you know, it's you have you have certain people who can speak the speech, right? Who who can talk about art in a yeah. way that gets people passionate about it. He certainly has that, but he can explain his process to a layperson or to a to a non artist such as myself in a way that uh, allows you in. You're ne- you're never going to be in his brain, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but he's uh, he's so articulate with his work. That uh, that that is, you know, that's incredibly valuable as a as a lead artist, mm-hmm. um, and he's able to bring out, bring along audiences and trustees and staff and all the other, and certainly the, the group of artists that he's working with in the room, um, in a way that uh, I've I've never experienced firsthand. This is fantastic, and he's going to be there April seven for the kickoff party, right? That is right. He he will be leading the the conversation. We've got. Uh, well, I, I don't know if we were able to announce the, the artists that we have because we haven't confirmed everybody, but we've got somebody from every show um, in the season who's going to be coming in. I, I do know that we're going to have, which we haven't discussed, uh, the, the playwright for, from our world premiere, Thousand Pines, Matthew Green, will be there. And this is a, a play that everyone should mark on their calendars uh, October 30th through November 17th. Uh, it's a play that takes place in the in the aftermath of a school shooting. Oh, my and gosh, unmissable is, right now. This is a hot well, topic. And, you know, we programmed it eight months ago, knowing that this was important, and mm-hmm. knowing that the play was beautiful, um, but it only becomes more important every day oh, to have these absolutely. conversations about what it means to be left behind, what it means to grieve, uh, and what it means to have that unique kind of American violence enacted on a community. Absolutely. I want everyone to call 203-227-4177 or visit westportplayhouse.org to get all, all the information you need and tickets. Michael Barker, you are a treasure. The Westport oh gosh, Country Playhouse is, wow, they're lucky to have you, kiddo. And I want everyone to really think about the distinctive footprint this theater has made for Connecticut and the site of what was an old tannery. It's marvelous. Um, Michael Barker, thank you. And come back anytime and be with us on Center Stage. Uh, This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage.
you know anything about the right to be forgotten? Probably not, because most of us have forgotten what it's like. Next on Dan's Life. Get your radio show or podcast distributed around the world. Find out more by emailing sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. 